0: Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us again where today we're speaking with Wendy Stuckey who is the chief winemaker at Spy Valley Wines in Marlborough at the top of the South Island in New Zealand. Right now let's go have a chat with Wendy. Hello Wendy. Morning. Nice having you here in the studio, thanks for coming in
1: for yeah, the invitation. Oh,
0: no, it's great. And um, so, you know, we just um, talked with people about their wine um, journey and story. So where did where did yours start? When, when was the sort of seedling well, for your...
1: Well, I guess I'm going to set the record straight. I am an Aussie. Okay. Okay. That's all right. Um, good. <laughs> I did marry a Kiwi, so I guess, you know, I'm kind of halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in South Australia um, on a farm quite close to... Coonawarra wine growing region. My parents weren't in the industry at all, but they, you know, they liked a glass of wine every now and again, and yep. quite often we would um, drive up to Adelaide and go via um, a region called Langhorne Creek. Okay. And my parents would call into um, a winery there called Bleasdale, pick up their pick up their wine and throw it, you know, toss it in the back of the car, and on we'd go. So, yep. you know, wine was sort of part of our. Our growing up, and um, not that they drank a huge amount, and they didn't know much about wine, but they enjoyed it, and yeah, so and they
0: knew what they liked. They was, had they had a winery they liked to go to, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And there,
1: actually, there was another one in Coonawarra, which was called Lera. I don't think that winery is there anymore, actually, but um, that was another one that they used to go and visit um, occasionally, just to stock up the stock up the cellar a little bit. Yep. So yeah, wine was sort of part of part of my life growing up. Um, however, when I finished school, wine wasn't really sort of in the back of my mind. It, you know, th- and there was never a, like an aha moment. Um, no. Yeah. That uh, came about. It was more. I mean, when I.
0: So so, when, so, did you grow up in the country? Was it in the? In the yeah, country? so I grow.
1: Yeah. Grew up um, quite close to the sea. We had a, okay. a mixed farm of sheep and cattle. Yep.
0: Were there any wineries um, around you at all? Or No, Coonawarra no. was all... the closest, and yep. that, was
1: about, that was about an hour away. Okay. Um, yep. So there wasn't, yeah, not where, not where we were at the time. Yeah. At, since Actually, since then, there's been quite a lot of development not too far away from us, down near a um, seaside town called Robe. Okay, and so there's a lot been a lot of um, vineyards have gone in there probably over the last ten to fifteen years. Okay, Um, do they call that area? So that's um, the part of the limestone coast. Ah, okay, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, just back to, um, yeah, growing up. So I grew up on the farm. Yes.
0: Left school. Um, sorry, and, le- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, left, yeah, left. That's right. I interrupted. <laughs> no, <that's okay. laughs> left school yeah, and le- you didn't.
1: Left school. Didn't know really what I wanted to do. But one thing I really knew that I wanted to do was to earn some money and travel. Mm-hmm. That was um, one thing because. Uh, when I was growing up we my parents used to buy the National Geographic you know I think a lot of families you know bought the National Geographic and I um just loved the photos that were in National Geographic of all these exotic places around the world and I thought oh you know I'd really love to go to go to a lot of these places so that was one thing when I finished my final year of high school it's like well what can I actually do that's going to generate a reasonable amount of money fairly quickly so that I could travel and uh you know, there was the list of things like nursing, you know, teaching, that sort of thing. And radiography was the was the one that sort of stood out for me because I could study for two years. In my third year, um, I could earn some money and I had a qualification at the end of it. Right. And so, you know, that kind of kept my parents happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it kept me happy. So that's what I did. Did that. Worked for two years. Um, I think I saved about, I don't know, $10,000. That was enough to get me my air ticket and some cash, and yeah. off I went. Um, so I traveled. It was really through Europe and Europe and England and Turkey. Um, so I did that for about eighteen months. Didn't visit any vineyards at that point in time, and so it was only when I came back to Australia that I realised that I didn't want to go back into radiography. That was just not not for me. Mm. So um, I. Actually, we actually had a family friend whose husband had a had a winery and I sort of knew a little bit about him. And um, it was – I think we must have been down at the beach and I'd, I'd met him and I was just kind of in awe with this man. You know, he was very tall, striking, good-looking and uh, wanted to ask him some questions about the wine industry but sort of – didn't ask too many. Um, I found out a little bit about it and then I sort of really thought, well, actually, maybe, you know, maybe I could do this. Maybe this could be something that might be of interest because, you know, I did like the land. I like quite like science. Um, I knew nothing about winemaking. So I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to, you know, jump in boots and all and see where it goes. Yeah, so cool. yeah. I applied for um the winemaking course at Roseworthy College, mm-hmm. which is situated about an hour's north of Adelaide. Um, got in, went to, you know, first day there, everybody sort of introduced themselves and I kind of looked around and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? What have I done here? Because I was, I think it was myself and one other um, student who were the only ones had no connection to the industry Mm -hmm. you know the the other students there the families had vineyards or wineries or they'd worked in wineries and that sort of thing and I was sort of felt like a bit of an outsider you know I'm not part of the team here like what am I going to do anyway so I thought right no I'll continue on so I did the course there was halfway through the course I sort of had a bit of a moment where I thought no, I don't think this is really where I want to be. How long is the course? Um, when I went through, it was three years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it was a three-year course. And back back then, um, it was free, I didn't oh. actually. Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't have to pay for your, for, um, your tuition at, at university. But fortunately, because I'd done radiography prior, I was able to pick that up part-time. So that actually helped me sort of pay pay my way through yeah. um through my studies. So anyway, halfway through the course, had this bit of a moment where I thought, oh, no, I don't think that that's it. But, and my, my partner at the time is now my husband sort of encouraged me. He said, no, no, continue on. You know, you'll be fine. It's all good. It's all good. So I did.
0: What Contin- gave you that sort of second thought? You just didn't know whether it was all sort of... Just
1: didn't know whether it was really something that I wanted to do. And again, it was... Um I think that yeah there was a friend of mine who wasn't enjoying it either. She wasn't sure whether it was, you know, for her as well and so I think the two of us sort of started chatting, you know, yeah, <laughs> between yeah. the two of us and wondering is this really where we want to where we want to be. Mm. Anyway, kept on with it and started to enjoy it enjoy it more and you know in our final year at college, we, um, the students would go on a tour around um, different wine regions in, in Australia for, I think it was about 10 days, so we'd all jump in this bus and travel around and, you know, there'd be far too much drinking and too many late nights and parties and that sort of thing with the, there was a couple of um, lecturers who'd come with us and we were in the Hunter Valley and we were having a dinner one night with um, some of the local winemakers from, from the region and sitting down there and um, I was sitting next to this gentleman who was, you know, we were sort of chatting away and then eventually he sort of said to me, well, you know, I'm not sure that the wine industry is going to be a place for you. I'm not sure you're actually going to find, find a job anywhere. Referring to the fact that I was, I think I was female because he did, he did mention that. Right. I was kind of taken aback a little. I didn't really know what to say and sort of, I don't think I said much at all, just took it on and didn't want to um, say too much. But that really then pushed me and said, right, well, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. Yeah, good. You know, this isn't going to, this isn't going to get the better of me. Yeah. So from then on, I was like, right, I'm going to soldier on and finish the course. So I finished the course. So I was um, got ducks of engineering, <laughs> which I was pretty proud of. Yes, and because uh, I kind of like, you know, the way things work and um, how things work. So it was, yeah, quite enjoyed engineering. Enjoyed, you know, chemistry through the through the course. We had some good lecturers there, mm. out at the our. Roseworthy Ag College, mm. yeah.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, it has, yeah, it has quite a good reputation, doesn't it? It Obviously. does, yeah. yeah. And yeah.
1: you know, a lot of good winemakers from yes. around the world have gone mm. through mm. gone through Roseworthy College over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. so you pushed through and you came out the other end.
1: Came out the other end. Yep. yep. You know, I sent out a whole whole lot of letters to various wineries, and um, I was given an offer for a you know a major winery here in New Zealand, and I thought, oh. I was a bit sort of uncertain, or well, New Zealand, is that really where I want to want to go? I'd quite like to stay in Australia, but it was a job. It's a foot in the door, and uh, so I accepted that role. And then, I don't know, one or two weeks later, I got offered a job um, in the Brossa Valley. So went and uh, took that role, had yep. to decline on the one from um, here in New Zealand. So my time for New Zealand wasn't quite right no, at that, yeah, <laughs> at that yeah. point in time, um, and then took on a role with Seppelt Winery oh. in the Barossa Valley. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I spent I two years with them, and that was a that was a great experience because um, Seppelt make a lot of. Um, Old fortifieds, you know, port and musket and Tokay, all these beautiful, yeah. beautiful wines, sherry, yeah. and so I was involved in that whole um, process, which was something not many people get um, an opportunity to to make that to make those style of wines. So, yeah. um, you know, that was that was great fun. Mm. So I did that for a couple of years, and then um, the. SA Brewing, who was the company that owns Seppold, actually bought um, the Penfolds group. And so that sort of changed um, changed things a little, a little for me. I spent a little, moved from Seppold and spent a little bit of time at Penfolds in um, with the winemakers there and didn't enjoy that as much. And as a part of that um, purchase, there was a restructure. And... Um, I mean, I I look at it as though it was because I was the last one on, I was the first one off. So um, my role became um, null and void, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had to find another job. And uh, there was a job going at Wolf Blass ah. um, in the Barossa in making white wines with Chris Hatcher, who was the chief winemaker for... Um, for Wolf Blass at the time. And so I went in and, you know, had my interview and thought, oh, this could, you know, work quite well because I hadn't had... That, with Steppord I hadn't had a huge amount of experience with, with making white wines. Um, and so, you know, I was still young in my career. I thought, yep, this will be a, a great opportunity. So I, I um, started with Wolf Blass back in 1992. Assistant winemaker, making... White wines with um, with Chris Hatcher, and he sort of became my you know, really became my mentor, I guess in the in the industry because we worked together for well for fifteen years. I was with Wolf Blast wow. for fifteen years, wow, okay. yeah. yeah, and you know, through that time, you know, we had really good success with our wines, and I became um, became sort of heavily involved in making all the rieslings for, for Wolf Blast, which I I loved. And still do,
0: and so whereabouts was whereabouts were you? So here? I was
1: based in the Barossa, in Barossa, um, yeah. and we sourced our fruit from sort of all over. But of course, the the best regions where we sourced our fruit from was Clare Valley and Eden Valley. Okay, and so particularly had, for whites or for
0: all? Oh, for reds as well. Reds yeah, as well. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We had vineyards,
1: um, vineyards that we owned in Eden Valley and Clear Valley. But we would source we source fruit from from all over. And Blast was quite unique. Um, when he first set himself up, he didn't actually have a, um, a, a winery as such that crushed and pressed grapes. He, he had um, contract wineries to do that for him and he'd bring the wines actually in and blend them. Mm-hmm. Um, this was specifically red, um, blend those wines at the winery and then barrel age them. So his model was quite different to a number of other wineries and he had a lot of success sort of through the wine show circuit because the wine show circuit was very strong um, in the Australian wine industry sort of through the 70s, 80s and 90s um, because it was sort of like a benchmarking for the industry in a way for the industry to learn. Um, And so Wolf Blast did extremely well and kinda of put you know, put himself on the map and he was a very good marketer and that was sort of to his advantage as well, um, in you know, in making his wine. So, you know, it was a great it was a great time to be in the industry in Australia through the through the nineties because there was a huge growth in the US. Um, and a lot of our wines would go went into the US and, you know, the UK was quite a strong market too. Um, mm-hmm. So we were sort of coming out of the, the eighty sort of the mid to late eighties, where a lot of vineyards in the Barossa, for example, were being pulled out because there was a surplus, oh. and then it kind of changed, almost changed overnight through the sort of late eighties, early nineties, and there was you know huge growth in the industry.
0: Yeah, once so it those was a, offshore markets. Sort of yeah, took off. they, yeah, they
1: yeah. started to take off and got to know you know all about uh, Australian wine and everybody wanted it. Yeah. And so it was great, you know, great time to be in the industry and you know, we used to have a lot of good times. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Wolf Brass was very good to me. Um, I because then I started a family mm-hmm. and you know, you start a family as a as a female and you wonder how that's gonna work with your with your career. Yeah. But they were very supportive and um, I was able to come back working part time. So I had a part-time role in the business and then worked full-time over over Harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, things sort of started to change a little and um, the business, you know, Wolf Blast had been bought out prior and there was a lot of consolidation and other companies being purchased and, you know – Cultures change and that sort of thing. And it sort of came to a time where I was sort of starting to think that, um, you know, I thought maybe I wanted to do something a little bit different.
0: And was it mainly uh, Australian companies looking to buy up other wineries and grow or was it interest from overseas then as well?
1: Um, well, for Wolf Blass, they, you know, it was, it was Wolf Blass and then Wolf Blass was bought out by a company called Mildara and it became Mildara Blass. Then Mildara Blast was purchased by Foster's. So a lot of, you know, Australian businesses were um, actually bought out by beer, beer businesses mm. and they run quite differently, yeah. you know, quite different. Sometimes, you know, the two don't sort yeah. of see the same yeah. um, outcomes, I guess. And yeah, the <laughs> alignment sort of might not be quite yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. And so, um, yeah, Foster's came in. Then they bought, Foster's then bought... A company called Beringer in California, because they could. They I think they wanted to sort of strengthen their export market into um, into the U.S. and have um, greater distribution. So they bought Beringer, and then then what happened? Oh, and then of course uh, Foster's divested of the wine business, and Treasury became its own entity. So now, well, then it became. Was Beringer Blast, and then now it's Treasury Wine Estates. Right. Yeah. So you know, there's been a lot of change yeah. over over yeah. the years. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so yeah, so back to um, when my last sort of twelve months or so with with Wolf Blast, you know, things had sort of changed and been a lot of change of staff and people. Um, and. It was funny because there was uh, I'd had a an email from a, a friend of mine that I'd worked for back in the US back in sort of the early the early nineties, and uh, he'd sent me this email and said that they were holding a um, a big sort of riesling um, tasting and event in Seattle in Washington, and um, that kind of pricked up my ears because you know. I've a love of Riesling, and you know, really thought that Wolf Blass and the, some of the Penfolds wines and Leo Buring should have a representation at this um, event because it was a global, global Riesling event. It's the first one, first one, so they were trying to, um, you know, pull people from around the world, mm-hmm. and so um, I, you know, talked to talked to Wolf and said that you know we should potentially be be involved in this and. You know, he thought it was a a good idea. So off I went and represented um, Wolf Blass. And so while I was there at at this event, catching up with this friend of mine who worked for um, this winery in Washington, we went out and had a drink. And he said that they were actually looking for a winemaker to come and work with them and that they, (laughs) they make a million cases of Riesling, like <laughs> across the whole range from dry Riesling all the way through to um, uh, Betrida-style Rieslings to ice wine right. Riesling. Right, oh, And okay. like my eyes kind of lit up and yeah. I thought, wow, this could be cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, they said – asked if I'd be interested and I sort of said yes but I need to go home and think about it and talk to my husband and so um, you know I came back to Australia and said to my husband well what do you think this could be a great opportunity and uh, so then within I think it was about eight months we were living in Seattle in Washington right okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so took our three young children who were not quite five and twins who were three, moved them halfway around the world and yeah. landed in Seattle, Washington. So, so when was that? When, what are we so, so that, that was two thousand and seven. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so we were there for eight years, or well, nearly eight yeah nearly eight years. And I was working for um, the founding winery of Washington, Chateau Saint Michelle, mm. and making. Over a million cases of riesling. Yeah. Um, so, founding, and then so and then how, a number of other <coughs> other um, white varietals. So I was the white winemaker for for um, Chateau Saint Michel. Okay. So Washington. and
0: so you say they were one of the founding wineries. So how, how long have they been around? What's the sort of So their of history?
1: history goes back to well nineteen. 50s. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean Washington's sort of older than that. They did have um vineyards back in the sort of late 1800s, but then it kind of uh, dropped quite a lot as wine kind of went out of favor and then it sort yeah. of picked picked back up again sort yeah. of in the yeah, in the in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um and so yeah, working in Washington was, I mean, it was great. And working with the Americans was just totally, you know, it's a total different playing field to working with wine in Australia and just the Australian wine industry is quite
0: Yeah, and was most of different. that domestic consumption back then? Or? Yeah, yeah, so
1: that's the other thing. I mean, in the winery that I worked for, we, the, the, we exported, I don't know, 5% of what we made, and Mm. 95% was consumed in in the US. So, Mm. I mean, that in itself just sort of goes to show there's Mm. a lot of people drinking wine in the US. It's a big market. It's huge. Mm. yeah. Um, And so, I mean, that was a great learning experience for me too because, um, you know, making wine in Washington was quite different to making wine in Australia. So, you know, I took my ideas from... Experience in Australia and tried to do some of that in Washington and didn't always work. Mm. (laughs) But um, you know, some of it, some of it did. We, you know, we made some, we made some good wines. But the other um, thing with Shadows and Michelle is they have a joint um, venture with a winemaker from the Mosel, um, Ernie Lozen, who's quite well known. You may know. No, you may have heard of him. So he. he kind of fell in love with Washington Riesling um, back in the late 90s. He'd actually tasted one of Chateau Saint-Michel's Rieslings and and loved it and thought, wow, this could be something great. So he actually approached the, the winery to see whether they'd be interested in um, doing a, a joint venture and there was a bit of back and forth and eventually um, they decided that that could be a good thing for for Shadows and Michelle, but also for Riesling, um, the varietal Riesling, because mm. you talk to a lot of people and nobody's, nobody, nobody's really interested in it. I mean, why makers love Riesling? Yeah, um, and obviously with Shadows and Michelle, even though we sold a, a million cases of it, people still, you know, you do tastings and people would still think that Riesling was sweet, once you got, you know, and there are some beautifully sweet mm. Rieslings um, out there on the market. But um, if you could actually get that wine into their mouth, I mean, that people would be just blown away mm. by the style of wine that it is. So, um, and anyway, so this joint venture that we have, we had with um, Ernie and was, you know, that was something else for me to, to learn from. because. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he great. comes from a region in in Germany where it's all about Riesling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, you know, that was a, a great experience for me to to learn from him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. So did spend. Um, so how much time did you spend then? Um, all up and.
1: In... So it was just under eight years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah. yeah so you know, start. there came a time when we I was we were on a um, two year visa. And so two year working visa that was um, that we had to go out of the country every two years and renew it and right. you know that was always a stressful time because you'd think oh my god am, am I going to get back into the country yeah. again yeah you know my life is all in you know in our house in in Seattle are we going to get back um, and we were only going to stay I mean originally when we left Australia it was going to be three to – Three to four years—that was kind of the time frame. Well, it mm. ended up being eight, mm. and we loved loved living there. Um, but the whole visa thing, and I didn't really want to go down the track of getting um, residency or green card or anything. I wanted to, you know, keep my Australian yeah. Australian roots. Um, and so we started sort of thinking about returning to to Australia and you know I started looking for a job probably two years before before we left just mm-hmm. to sort of see what was around and you know that was sort of at the we came through you know the GFC had hit um, that was sort of soon after we arrived Australian wines were off the boil in the US and you know things weren't good back in back in Australia and they weren't sort of starting to pick up so there weren't many jobs around there was it was not much at all. Mm. Um, but then this job came up in New Zealand with Constellation, who's a U.S. company, um, and have a, uh, own wineries and vineyards here, here in New Zealand. And, um, so this position came up and, uh, you know, I applied for it and got the role. And so... We moved to New Zealand. My husband was mm. quite happy come yeah. back to come back to New Zealand. He hadn't yeah. lived in New Zealand for, I don't know, over 30 years. Wow, yeah. It's been a long time. So yeah. um, so we moved from Seattle to Blenheim. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a change. <laughs> Which I must say was quite a culture shock. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, For all of us and the kids Yeah, the, the kids, included. kids as well, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the kids by that stage are sort of early teens. Yeah, and yeah. spent what was it, eight years Eight there. years, so yeah. they're sort of formative years in yes. the US. Yeah, yeah. They Still, sort of say to me, you know, why did we do that? Why <laughs> <laughs>
0: would have taken a bit of convincing, to yeah, get exactly.
1: But yeah. no, we're, we're pretty settled now, yeah. It's good, yeah, it's been good, yeah.
0: Well, it's not a bad spot to be in the world, yeah, is it? yeah.
1: That's mm. great because we're quite keen skiers, so we, right, you know, can get up to the mountain, yeah. And uh, we just had 30 centimeters of snow up in up at Rainbow,
0: oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. good, dump. which that's yeah. good, yeah. yeah, 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 oh, good, and um. Yeah. So, how are things going there? What do you? What so sort
1: of... yeah. So, Constellation was was great for me because it was you know my you know my whole career I guess I've been in larger companies. Mm. Um, you know, as people like to call it the corporate world. However, we still make wine and we still make good wines in in the corporate world, as you like to call it that. Yeah. But these larger larger companies and. You know that was kind of all that I knew, and I over those years in in my career, I've you know worked my way my, worked my way up and um, ended up with a role as the chief winemaker for Constellation New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so I was in that role for just under under four years, um, and you know I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. Really, the role for me because I really missed winemaking. Mm. You know, I missed that sort of day-to-day, more hands-on. Yeah, hands-on. Yep. Yeah, hands-on. wine um, yep. winemaking. So I actually decided to take take a break. Yep. So I stepped out of. Um, I resigned from my role at Constellation, and took a break and wasn't didn't know what I was going to do, but it was great because I could just spent some time with my family because in that role I was you know, I was travelling quite a lot and, you know, wasn't home for the kids and I missed them and mm. my husband and our small property that we bought in Marlborough. Mm-hmm. And so took that took that break and it was great. And then it's just amazing how things, you know, turn around and you know, it's kind of fate really. So this job at Spy Valley came up and um yeah, threw my hat in the ring. And then here I am. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so how long have you been at Spy then?
1: Um, started in, in July. So, what are we? Yeah, it's about six
0: weeks now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like yeah. new. Yeah, yeah, very new. <laughs> so
1: I'm still finding my way, but it's great. Yeah, you good. Know, it's, good. Um, it's been a long time since I've worked for a, a small, a small winery. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think, yeah. The time that I did work for a small round, it was actually when I was still at Roseworthy when I was studying. Right. Um, so, yeah, but it's been great. It's been a great team and, yeah. you know, everybody's really...
0: Um, and what, what varietals and are you working with?
1: Um, well, Marlborough, Sauvignon Blanc, of course, yep. because that's, you know, that's what we all do and mm-hmm. we all do well. Mm-hmm. Um but we do a lot of other um, white varietals like Pinot Gris, Gewurz, Riesling, so all those sort of varieties that I love. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. a, little, a little bit of Riesling in there. Yes, nice. Um, and Pinot Noir, of course, and Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know... If, family-owned um, vineyards, but we do have a couple of – a few growers as well Just sort of – In the region as well. as well? Yeah, it's yep. all Marlborough. All Marlborough. It's all Marlborough. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And majority of the fruit um, comes out of the Waihopai Valley. Right. So one of the valleys – the valleys in, in the Southern Valley region um, yeah. of Marlborough.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So
0: and obviously you'll good. be enjoying doing the Riesling and, yeah. you know, as you and say, Sauvignon's, you know.
1: Sauvignon and Chardonnay. I mean, I love Chardonnay too. Yes. Um, I like – tinkering with that because it's, you know, one of those varieties that you can, it's fairly forgiving. Yeah. You can do lots of different things with. And um, And I know the, pre, the previous winemaker for Pi Valley, I think he was pretty good at tinkering too, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So you don't, yeah. So you feel like you can do different things each. Yeah. Each, each year and each yeah, vintage. Yeah,
1: that's right. And we've got, um, you know, some great, great vineyards and, you know, our equipment is, is all good. So yeah. I think we're, you know, we're in a really good space.
0: And had you um, done much with um, Chardonnay, in Washington, sort of previously, yeah, yeah, we
1: made we made a lot of Chardonnay in
0: right. Washington as and Pinot, well. Pinot Noir, too, um, no, oh, so
1: that was one variety that Washington doesn't do well right. just because of the climate. Mm. Um, so Pinot Noir is an early, early ripening variety. So mm-hmm. really, Pinot Noir and Save Blanc are not not really well suited to Washington just because of the climate. So they're right. early ripening varieties, and Washington has quite hot summers. Yeah. But it has very cool um, autumn, so right. that's why you know varieties like Riesling and Cabernet um, do really well in Washington. Mm. Um, mm. So and you know Chardonnay sort of being sort of middle of the road as far as um, ripening goes. There's some good spots in in yeah. Washington for Chardonnay. Some great great wines out yeah. of out of Washington. Oh good. You we know, you get your hand on any?
0: Yeah, yeah. Try them. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, no, I have seen, I think we, over the last few years, really, we just, well, I've just seen to notice a lot more coming out of yeah, the yeah, US, you no know, right. more readily so available. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, mm. Good. And um, any, anything else that's sort of piquing your interest at the moment, apparently, you know, that, um, did you say you do a little bit of Gewurz as well? A little bit of Gewurz, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. love Gewurz. It's just yeah.
1: such a um, aromatic forward variety. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. I mean, you taste it on the vine and what you taste on the vine is kind of what you get in the bottle. Right, okay. Like, you know, Riesling's like that too. Yeah. It's really, you know, those two wines really express, you know, from where, express themselves from where they're, where they've grown. Yeah. Um, but, you know, totally, totally different varieties. This, just this last season in 2019, we had a very... Um, you know, it was a great, great vintage. But Gewurz is a very f- a fickle variety, and so you know sometimes it doesn't set very well, and you can get very, very low crops, which is what happened this year, this season. But um, just the the flavor expression of of that varietal this year is pretty amazing. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's really good. And over the years, are there any you know, maybe a couple or? of, um, things you've tried that still have stuck in your, in, in your mind, you know, like great, great wines, you know, either your own or you've been somewhere and tried something and it's just really lodged in there, or maybe you were at a dinner or something and it was the food and the wine that just really. Yeah,
1: so when I, throughout my career, I, um, got involved in the wine show system and so, um, you know, started off as a, as an associate judge, um. No, that was probably in the sort of mid-90s, I guess. And then obviously, you know, did okay and was invited back and did more associate judging and then more and more. And uh, at those uh, wine shows, there'd always be dinners. You know, he'd have dinners dinners every night. And the, the senior judges, you know, the likes of James Halliday and... Len Evans, a number of other um, judges would be especially generous with their cellars and would um, bring these amazing wines from from their cellars to share with the with the judges. So we would have some pretty amazing tastings, like yeah. um, the you know Pinots from um, Burgundy, sort of from from back in the sixties. Um, I mean, there was one wine that I do remember, which actually was from from Kunawara. It was a '62 Coonawarra red, which was, you know, one wine that was just ama- You know, it was an amazing, an amazing red wine, Cabernet. Was yeah, a Cabernet. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, vintages. We'd have vintages of um, Champagne that you would never... I mean, these are wines that you would never see anywhere. Yeah, right, yeah. Were, No, so know, someone's private their, cellar and... You, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, um, yeah. private cellars. So they were, you know, they were very
0: generous. Yeah, cool. Mm. Wow, nice, nice. Great, and we finish on the question that if you could have any glass of wine with anyone anywhere uh-huh. at any time.
1: <laughs> well, it's one thing that I sort of thought about quite a bit because um, even though it's quite tenuous, my... Ancestors um, are from Switzerland, mm-hmm. and they uh, emigrated to the Yarra Valley in Australia and worked. Um, this is back in the sort of mid to mid to late eighteen hundreds. Worked in the in the in the Yarra, Yarra Valley in the wine industry, and they actually owned a, quite a small vineyard um, in the Yarra. And subsequently sold that because the wine industry, um, sort of around that time, they, I think they pulled out all those vines that had been planted, and it all went to dairy. And it wasn't until the I don't know nineteen sixties that that um, vineyards sort of started being planted back again in in the Yarra. Mm. Anyway, so you know it'd be it'd be great to actually meet with you know one of my ancestors who lived. In the Yarra, yeah. Have a glass of wine, maybe you know one of the rieslings that I made, yeah, you know, twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. The Washington one versus uh you know, a Clare Valley. Have you got Have reasoning. you got some in your
0: cellar? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you've yeah. screwed away. Nice. Yeah, screwed away. Yeah, good. Actually,
1: I've still got some wine screwed away at a friend's cellar in um, in the Barossa.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, um, good. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks, Wendy. I appreciate that's you coming okay. in. It's been lovely talking with you. Yeah. Yeah, and we look forward to, um, yeah, seeing what comes out of Spy Valley over the next few years. Yeah, Yeah. I am too. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Thanks. All right, cheers. We've been speaking with Wendy Stuckey, who's the chief winemaker at Spy Valley Wines in Marlborough at the top of the South Island in New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Spy Valley, you can go to spyvalleywines.co.nz and also check out some of the other New Zealand wine podcasts where we talk to other winemakers and vineyard owners and those in the wine industry here in New Zealand and have a look at podcast.nz for some other podcasts that might be of interest to you on a variety of other topics. This episode is brought to you by bazibu.com if you've got a business idea, then let's get it started. B I Z E B U dot com. Thanks for listening in. It's been a pleasure having your company, and we look forward to seeing you again very shortly. Hey Kwanai, bye for now.